Good morning. Uh, just start with a paragraph about ourselves. My husband, Rusty, and I, he's speaking this morning in a different church. Um, we work for you. We are mission co-workers and live in the city of Lima, which is the capital of Peru, um, on the west coast of Latin America. We have accompanied over 100 short-term mission teams uh, throughout Peru, and we've been uh, sent by our Peruvian partners, the Iglesia Evangelica Peruana, to work in the southern part of Peru. The green is the jungle, the uh, yellow gold is the Andes Mountains, and you can see, most of you know where Cusco and Machu Picchu are. So we're in that area, we'll be, we are working um, on your behalf, making partnerships and uh, sustaining them, working with uh, whatever our partners choose for their project, their partnership project, it can be construction, medical, teaching, water purification with living waters, vacation Bible school, conferences for women, youth, whatever the partner desires as their, uh, to live out their dream together with us is what we do. And so each project is different. So I'm coming to you this morning to speak about this um, woman who stood into the light. Um, I don't know about you, but there have been times when I've been stuck, really immobilized by my situation, whether it's um, overwhelming problems or ill health. And Jesus saw that in this woman. She saw a woman most people would have ignored, probably um, not in the least because she was so short, being bent over double. And um, she had to be in terrible pain. I don't know if you stood when the children stood and bent over, but it really hurts your lower back and your neck. And um, she had to be hoping for healing because she'd been that way for 18 years and she'd tried everything possible that she could think of. And she was worn out and stuck. And she was in the worship in the temple that day. We don't know why she was there. Had she heard that Jesus is coming, this incredible healer, this miracle worker, and maybe she thought, maybe this man can heal even me. We don't know why she was there, whether she was a faithful regular in, in the temple on Sunday. All we know is that she made the effort to get to Jesus, and that even though she was bent over and hidden in the crowd in the women's section of the synagogue, he saw her and he called her forward. The children have helped me illustrate what that was like and how she might have feel, felt as she stumbled forward with everyone staring at her. We don't know whether she was terrified or, or hopeful or just how she felt when she stood in front of Jesus with that hush of expectation and Jesus said to her, woman, you are freed from your infirmities. How must that have felt when she was still bent over double? Jesus was telling her that her infirmities weren't necessarily her physical being, but something else. And just to prove the liberation that he had announced to her, he laid a hand on her shoulder, and she stayed. She, sta she stood up with such joy and rejoicing. And the the Hebrew, I mean, sorry, the Greek text says that it's a um, repetitive thing that she continued to give praise to God, to glorify God. I don't know if you've ever had that experience of being literally or, or spiritually bent over, of just seeing your dirty shoes or just seeing a small piece of the floor that's in front of our faith. Rusty and I 
do short-term mission. And usually when we go around and speak, as I spoke with you here a couple years ago, we talk about what God is doing in Peru. But this year we chose to, do, to talk about what God is doing with us. Um, he's changing what we understand short-term mission to be. Um, whoops. We're finding that short-term mission is important, but short-term mission with long-term results is much more important and much, much more satisfying. I've been going on short-term mission teams since I was a small child. My parents were convinced, convinced this was a great model, and most U.S. churches send teams of young people or adult work teams somewhere in the world or in their own country. And this was our model when we got there to Peru, that a U.S. church would spend six to 12 months planning, raising the money to do a specific project. And they would arrive on the ground in Peru. And um, at that point, all of a sudden, they might realize that what they arrived to do wasn't possible, that um, the cement truck didn't show up, that the carpenter didn't come, that the project plans hadn't worked out or the funding hadn't completely arrived. And all of a sudden, the work that you'd planned for a year to do wasn't possible. And then it felt like you had failed because you, wouldn't, you weren't able to do what you actually arrived on the ground to do. Um, and so in that sense, we were looking at our dirty shoes. We, we thought that that was the purpose of short-term mission. And the Peruvians also had dirty shoes because they had never received short-term teams. They had um, only the model that they had was of long-term missionaries who came bringing their casket from their home country because they were going to get buried in Peruvian soil when they gave their life and died there and were buried there in that place. And they would say to me, Sarah, how can a group of people that comes here for five days make any difference in our lives? Or actually, they were too polite to even say that, but you could tell they were thinking it. And they could see the advantage of the money that would come from the short-term team, but they couldn't understand the purpose of the partnership. And so they were looking at their duty shoes. And so in our eight years in Peru, Rusty and I have learned so much that we share with the teams that are arriving. And our perspective is changing. In 2013, um, the Presbytery of New Covenant, let me give you the example from another presbytery, just to give you an idea of the breadth of our work. New Covenant started um, thinking about a partnership, presbytery to synod. And that would be um, in, this, in the southern synods, sorry, wait, no. The southern synods of, um, there we go. This is La Convención in the high jungle, like Juan Valdez territory. This is uh, Cusco Presbytery, which Cusco Synod has 600 churches. And then down here um, is the Puno, which is Lake Titicaca area, high Altiplano, which has um, maybe four presbyteries. It's much smaller. They sent us to work in those areas because they receive a lot of tourists down there. They thought they're accustomed to foreigners, and maybe that'll help uh, the US teams to get along better with them. So we were sent to work in those areas. We developed seven projects with the Texas team. The team traveled to, to visit each of these projects. Representatives from seven churches chose each one of the seven projects without any arguing, without any hassle, without any discussion. They each felt called to a distinct project. It was an amazing witness to God's work. The stated need for the southernmost uh, area of Ayaviri 
was Sunday school. They said in Puno Synod, our children are not involved in the lives of our churches. How do we involve our children? Does this sound familiar? How do we involve our children in the life of our churches? We've never had a Sunday school, so would you please teach us how to start a Sunday school? So one group came down and taught godly play for five days. They had 45 wannabe Sunday school young, young teachers that were enthusiastic and 40, <laughs> that was synod wide. <laughs> and um, they had um, another team that came down and built Sunday school tables and chairs for that particular church. And the funny thing about that was the team arrived and um, in this is Altiplano. The team arrived to build the tables and chairs and the, the Peruvian said to them, where's your carpenter? And they said, we didn't bring a carpenter. We're just here to help. In other words, this is your dream. We're here to come alongside. And so they found a carpenter, the little short man with the hat on and he was supervising the work and he would come around and say to, um, someone from the Webster Church, which is full of engineers that work at NASA, <laughs> they would say to this person, um, you're not building this chair right, would you please take it apart and start over? <laughs> so this partnership got off to a kind of a rocky start. And at the end of the first week, I said to the both groups, the Peruvians and the Americans, what would you like to do next year? And the, the Americans brainstormed over dinner and couldn't come up with anything, went to sleep on it, and um, came up in the next morning with the idea of building a kitchen. Um, because the kitchen in that area, that's the next one. yeah. On the far right, there's a black door and you can see a big pot on the floor, that's the kitchen. It was an adobe room with a two burner stove and they were um, car standing around outside to peel the potatoes and these ladies are sitting inside the kitchen peeling potatoes sitting on sheepskin. And they were feeding about 100 people for every meal. And so the Americans said, they really need a kitchen. We need to offer to help them build a kitchen next year. I went into the uh, site the next day and talked to the pastor and said, um, we're meeting at 1 o'clock, but I wanted to let you know that the American team was thinking about building a kitchen. And the pastor started crying. I said, what? Why are you crying? And he said, our session met last night, and we decided that we really needed a kitchen. So we will build the kitchen and you will come to help finish it off next year. Um, so this was the second year of visiting and the Peruvians began to see some of the high points, some of the excitement about building and building together. And they started sharing with us their real dreams that they had been too polite or too shy to tell us about before. One lady came to us and said, you have been traveling with this wonderful woman named Urbi who speaks Quechua and she's been working in the kitchen with us and we want her to come next year and teach our synod women's group about nutrition and healing with the uh, things that we have in our homes. And um, a young woman came to me and she said, I'm in high school and I need English to get into college. Our English teacher is hopeless. Won't you please teach intensive English? And so, we had these, all these great projects for the following year. We had a follow-up on the Sunday school teachers teaching group, a refresher course. We had an English intensive course with art. We had a women's synod with 75 women who showed up. And we had a building project working on the kitchen. It was really exciting. That was a critical point when um, their culture of politeness that would much rather take care of and be kind to foreigners than to be honest with foreigners um, 
was finally came clean with us and told us what they really wanted. And they were comfortable with us and they were honest and it took us three years to get to that point. We began to hear about their dreams and their visionary ideas and stuff that didn't necessarily have a big price tag. So the third year arrived and it was a four ring circus in Ayaviri. The kitchen was roughed in, the team helped out. Um, at the end of the week, they didn't finish the kitchen. So they left with the kitchen, the Peruvians promising to get it done. As I said, 75 women learning about health and healing and using traditional foods for, um, this is my friend Rupi teaching the women. You can see in the background um, the recipe for quinoa. Um, um, oh, granola made out of quinoa. And on the right, um, foods that help your children's brain develop. And so the women were absolutely fascinated with this class that was given in Quechua language. And then there was um, the woman in the middle is a Russian woman that works with NASA with the cosmonauts, uh, was, uh, came to teach intensive English and art to these students from that area. Um, they're hoping to be able to continue the classes by Skype. In 2014, they arrived and the kitchen wasn't finished. And so they got to work and they painted and they built. And one of the miracles that happened was that the women took part in the planning of the kitchen building. And this doesn't usually happen. Usually it's the men that plan and build. These women wanted an ordinal, a stove, in the middle of their kitchen. So they built it and they finished it and they were so excited the last time we left, this would have been this August, uh, that somebody went out and bought chickens and bought potatoes and we shoved them into this beautiful ordinal and roasted them and it was one of the most delicious meals I've ever had. Um, what we found is that our arrival on the scene helped them to accomplish the dreams that they had had for years but never had the impetus to get started. We provided that impetus uh, to get the project done. It was because the trust was built and because the friendship was deepened that we were able to help them accomplish their dreams. The fourth year was a difficult year because the leadership had changed both in the US church and in the Peruvian church. And we arrived and everything was dark and no one was there to greet us and the kitchen wasn't done. But people came out and they began coming, drawn not in the least by the food in this wonderful new kitchen. And they helped finish the painting and the woodwork and the new windows and the new sinks so that they don't have to lean over and cook on the ground and clean the dishes and pots out in the courtyard. We all have dreams, but in Peru, it's a little hard to get people to express what their dreams are. We become the spark. When the team arrives, together the work gets done, and the plans grow, and they move forward on the feet of friendship. I'm seeing some of you that I've worked with in Peru um, who understand completely what I'm saying. It took two years to get that first system installed, and it was the feet of friendship that finally moved the installation of that first system. We are moving away from that one-visit model where people have an idea of what they're going down to do. Do something. Um, and we're telling them that you are not just going down to do, you're going down to be. The focus of the project is on forming friendships. This is another team that's gone down working with the man on the top left is from Argentina, helping with long-range planning for this Quechua-speaking seminary. You can see the women students, which is highly unusual. 
my husband on the bottom left, and the president of the National Church came to give um, support to this long-range planning process. And he became so excited about long-range planning that he's starting it as part of the national church planning process. It was really an exciting time. So the project is a means to be with the Peruvians, to form friendships, to enjoy the time together. The, the president is holding a, well, you can't really see it, a, a bamboo flute in his hand because we found out he was a, a flutist and played um, charango and guitar and uh, wrote music. And it was well, a wonderful time to be with him. The project was an excuse to form friendships, to be changed, not only Peruvians, but also Americans. It's as if we were like this woman, slowly standing into a new reality, a new light, stretching muscles that haven't been used, sensing new opportunities and possibilities and being able to move in new directions. Rather than focusing on our different views of dirt, we're standing into a new light, illuminated by Christ as we work together. And so I want you all to rejoice with me as that woman rejoiced. Rejoice in this new reality that you help make possible because you support us as catalysts for change in southern Peru. Rusty and I have just committed to another three years. We went for three, we've stayed for eight, and we just signed a new contract. You never know what God's going to do in your life. And we want to invite you to continue to accompany us through your prayers, your financial support, your encouragement, as we try new things and as we learn and grow in Christ in southern Peru. Jesus showed the people in the synagogue that, that day that faithful people can do things in a new way. I hope you're experiencing this in your lives this Advent as you're living in to the light of Christ. I hope that God is giving you this new light, this new perspective, and healing you and giving you hope so that you can rejoice and be amazed as that woman was. So give hope, pray, be present, and let God do amazing new things in your life. And I give you great thanks.